0: Hello and welcome to Living the Present Moment with Dr. Joel Ying. This episode is recorded live Thursday, February 21st, 2019. On this series, I interview people of passion and purpose doing interesting things, living the present moment. I'm your host today, Dr. Joel Ying. I'm a physician, educator, storyteller. You can join my mailing list or visit the blog, the courses, or a calendar at livingthepresentmoment.com. It's livingthepresentmoment.com. Today's topic is architecture, building a passion. And my guest today I'm excited to introduce is Stephen Jalad. And he tells me that he was introduced to architecture through a love of drawing and working with his hands. He worked summers as a carpenter while earning his architecture degree at the University of Virginia. And after designing and building his first home with the Peace Corps in West Africa, his passion for green design, led him to a group of uh, artisans in Colorado, where for 10 years he designed artful, off-the-grid, quote-unquote, homes in, uh, in the winters and then would build them in the summers. Now he lives in Naples, Florida, uh, since 2008, and goes from mountain-style to beach-style. How are you doing out there, Stephen?
1: Doing pretty good. Good to be on on the program today.
0: Well, thank you, thank you. Yeah, I remember meeting you and your wife Tasha Hara long, long ago. Now, uh, in Toastmasters, the organization helped with public speaking and leadership, and we were all uh, meeting there and and just trying to do something new. And I remember watching all of us grow. and We're all done different things since then, and I always enjoy talking to you about architecture, hearing about what you're doing in architecture, because I know it's something you're passionate about and how you got to that. Um, so that's always one of my favorite things to start with—the sort of the origin story of how you got to architecture.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, um, I've always I've always really enjoyed working with my hands, like from a very early age. My Christmas gifts would always be model airplanes and train sets and Lego kits and stuff like that. And, uh, I always just spend hours in my room building that stuff and, and, uh, lo- love to do it and also like to draw. And, um, my, my bigger brother actually is nine, nine years older than me. He's uh, a cartoonist. And so he, he would always kind of show me some tricks on how to sketch things and how to draw. So those two put together kind of, um, uh, when it came time to go to school and my dad's like, so what do you think you want to do? And I didn't really know. I was like, I don't really know, but so he just said, well, what, what do you like doing? What are you good at? And, and, um, so those things certainly came to mind. So he's like, well, sounds like architecture might be, might be, a um, you know, a good, a good, uh, occupation for you. So why don't you check that out and see if you like it. And, and uh, I fell in love with it right away. So it worked, worked out pretty well.
0: Hmm. Wow, uh, it's it's kind of fun to find something you love and fall into it right away. What oh, what about architecture has yeah. kept you with it? You know, uh, sometimes you you put your two passions together and you find out, wow, how it actually plays out isn't really what I like. But what keeps you <laughs> inspired by architecture? Yeah, um,
1: well, I love the creative part of it. Uh, it's always changing. So each project's different. You know, you have a different set of constraints. Um, clients come to you with, you know, I want uh, this type of space and this size of a house or the style of a house. And, um uh, depending on where it is, of course, in the, in the country and what style of architecture it is and how big the space is you have to work with, your lot or your land. And so all those things are kind of this big puzzle that you gotta, um put together each time so it, it changes constantly it's never the same because the puzzle is always different <laughs> so that that part of it's exciting and interesting and uh and, and keeps it um uh keeps you on your toes i guess for each project so that that's one thing i really love about it um uh, mm. and, and i guess i'm also fortunate enough to be able to be on the design part of it. architecture is a pretty broad field with a lot of different um places for you know um, different skill sets. Uh, so you can, you can be an architect and never really draw much. You can be almost most, you know, like in a lot of commercial work, there's a lot of specifications and things like that, where you're just making sure everything's meeting code and you're picking out the right finishes or sound, you know, ethnicity and things like that. Um, uh, which works are all important and go towards making a really good building. Uh, and then there's also there's the design part of it, which is the slightly more creative part and uh fortunate enough to be able to do that most of the time. So
0: so I'm loving it still. Mm. Oh, cool. If you're on the design side. I, you know, you just made me realize that I don't know a lot about how the field of architecture uh, has evolved and how it works now um, with the, you know, like i understand uh medicine and the specialties there's a cardiologist who works on the heart there's a kidney doctor <laughs> there's a neurologist right. um i never thought about the different types of architecture that would be out there and and how you kind of divide the the pie i i think of the classic person at the drafting board just designing the plans and handing them off like what 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 does an architecture or architect do <laughs> That's a great
1: question. And I think it's a it's an apt analogy as he said there's different specialties and different uh you know disciplines that, that come into it, just like, like in the medical field. Um so and it also varies actually from from uh state to state and from firm to firm, uh how each one is set up. So here uh at this particular firm we're we, I guess we specialize in the, in the design of the exterior, so the floor plans and then the outside of the building or the home and what that looks like, um, and we work with a client on that. But we don't get into the, specific, the specifics like the finishes, so we're not picking out uh, the countertops and the types of flooring and the, um, things like that, the finishes on the inside of the house. There's another specialty mm-hmm. trade, an interior designer, that comes in and, and does that. Um, and then there's also landscape architects that come in and would design all the pool and the driveway and what all the foliage looks like on the outside of the of the home, um, as well as a structural engineer. And they're the ones that make sure that all of your beam sizes are engineered correctly, especially here in Florida. That's a, a very important key item because of all the hurricanes, so it takes uh, takes an added level of discipline and, and uh, uh, training to be able to know how to size all of the the foundation and the uh, the structure to be able to make you know make the house sound uh, when those storm events happen. Uh, so that that's kind of a unique thing to Florida. A lot of times, uh, an architect can handle the structural parts of it in other parts of the country where there aren't um, you know severe weather situations or seismic activity like California, that's another place where structural engineers are a key part of the team, um, especially on a residential mm. project. Um, commercially, you're pretty much, uh, structural engineers are always involved, so they, that's, a, that's a discipline that happens as well. And then I guess there's also, um, we, we see it less on, on homes, but it's definitely a big part of, of uh, commercial architecture. Uh, which we call an MEP engineer, and that's uh, mechanical, electrical, and plumbing. And they do your air conditioning systems, heating systems, um, making sure, you know, all the water and the pressures are right. And if you have a big house and, you know, you're filling your bathtub up, you still have hot water in your kitchen, that kind of stuff.
0: (laughs) Wow. So that's fascinating. There's, so many different planners going into one house often than it, it sounds like. Are, are, are they all, how do they all coordinate? Like who? who's the master uh, right. organizer? Yeah, <laughs> like who's the, the general the, practitioner the for the physician? <laughs> <laughs> who's your primary right. care?
1: <laughs> yeah, typically that does fall on, on the architect to, to, to coordinate the whole okay. process. I mean, sometimes clients, you know, do that themselves. Uh, Sometimes developers become that person. So they'll put the team together and they'll select the architect and the interior designer and all the different, you know, um, uh, consultants. And then they they kind of lead the charge if it's a a speculative development where, you know, they're trying to buy a piece of land and they want to build something on it.
0: Lots of lots of different ways that could be organized, but often the architect is is the one um, putting it all together, all those architecture pieces, or the general architect. Yep. Uh, yeah,
1: yeah, because they generally the client will you know come to an architect either with a with a concept of what they want, um, but then together we develop like the vision of the project overall, and that's sort of the the guiding principle that goes to all the other disciplines and they're the one that can kind of keep, you know, um, keep everybody in check. So, so mm. they know that the client's moving in this particular direction, you know, they can look at a, at a, um, set of plans and just say, Oh, well, you know, maybe, maybe the pool's this shape doesn't really go with this, with the vision here. So why don't we go more in this direction? That kind of, that uh. kind of thing
0: and are you generally very involved with the builder is that how the, the actual contracting or is that a it's a whole other area
1: that is typically a whole other area but yes i mean we are certainly very involved once it gets to and again depending on the size of the project sometimes the contractor comes on board very early Um, and they, they help guide the budget. So if, if the client has a a very specific budget and they're like, I want to make sure that the design meets, uh, this budget, so I don't want you guys to get too creative and out there and come up with all these, uh, cool ideas that then I can't afford to build, uh, Mm -hmm. builders, you know, the one that can keep that in check since they're doing it in and out every day, uh, so sometimes they're early on in, in the process to help guide that more often than not, based on the market, we kind of know general prices of how much it costs to build something. So if clients are, are comfortable with that number, then we can go ahead and just do the design and then the builder comes on later on towards the end of the, of the drawing process. Uh, okay.
0: Huh. It's quite fascinating. The whole process uh- I remember once we were talking, and I, I've i grown up in Florida my whole life. So when you were talking about building in Colorado and visiting the land and figuring out where the view is, and 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 then like multi levels of this house, and where's the basement, and <laughs> all these details, it's like wow, I never even thought about, about those things living in Florida. I, I'm I'm curious. I, I'm curious. One, I I never thought about how. Close you would be to the the land sort of you know just kind of figuring out the spirit of the land and what what if build it what to build there, but I'm also curious of how that shifted as you moved from the mountains to Florida,
1: right, yeah, it's very different actually and and I guess we probably can't lump Florida all into one
0: uh oh, into one true. In category,
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but where we're at here in the city of Naples, where we do the vast majority of our work now, uh, you know, it's, it's more, I mean, not, I wouldn't call it an urban setting, but it's certainly, um, you know, divided into lots. So, so most of the time you're working within a very specific set of constraints where you've got, you know, a rectangular square shaped lot or a pie maybe, but, but, um, uh, you don't have a whole lot of space to say, okay, here's, you know, here's where I can site the house and here's where a long, you know, hmm. approaching driveway might come in. It's you're you're kind of, it's most of the time you have either one street or two streets to choose from as far as where your front door is going to go. And, um, and based on the other houses that are around you, you kind of want to try to get your pool in the sun. And so, so a lot of the lots that are, that we have to work with over here uh, you know, lay themselves out a lot in that in that manner. Mm-hmm. So it's a little it's a little less, uh, I guess, personal than a forty acre piece of land in the mountains where you can go up there and really feel kind of this is where the home needs to be. It's you know, sheltered space. It's tucked in. It it enjoys these specific views. It's got the right sun exposure. All that, those things are. There's a lot more that goes into the initial uh you know spirit of the land like you said to really figure out that part of it when you're dealing with a site like that. Here in Naples it's mm. it's almost like, well there's your site and you know, <laughs> there's there's not too many ways to skin it mostly with that.
0: Ah, uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's an interesting interesting shift. Is is there anything different about building uh on the beach? in Florida?
1: Yeah. So, so one one thing we deal with a lot here in, in Florida, so unlike Colorado where there you're dealing with snow and um, ice and and things like that and, and topography where you've got a lot of different grade change a lot of times in the site. Uh, here in Florida we're pretty flat, so you don't have much grade change. Uh,
0: <laughs>
1: but uh, you do have hurricanes and you do have... Uh, mm um, you know, waves that can happen in those events where you've got storm surges and so when you're the whole the whole uh coastline, even even pretty far inland is all laid out by the federal government actually. It's a it's a flood map, the FEMA flood zone map and something that everybody can look up on online and see kind of where their house sits in relationship to the flood zone map and you are required to build above that that flood zone and that kind of comes in when when there are natural disasters that happen like hurricanes that the you know federal government often comes in to lend assistance and so they they kind of came up with that flood zone map to say hey well if we're going to come in and give assistance we at least want to make sure that the structures are built up to a certain height as chances are if they're not built that high, then they are going to be destroyed in the storm event.
0: Hmm. So,
1: so we have to take that into consideration on, on all the lots that we build on, especially on the beach. Uh, that's actually another another uh, specific specialty engineer that comes in and they, they do wave calculations and uh, all the, that sort of thing to specifically tell you this is where... Your living level needs to be when it's on the beach because it varies Hmm. from site to site along the coastline. So that's the first step when we when we do beach houses, and a lot of times they're you know twelve fifteen feet up off the ground to accommodate for that.
0: Wow, wow! It's amazing how (laughs) a whole other specialty is born from that.
1: (laughs) Right, exactly.
0: Where do you where do you find the inspiration? You said one of the things you love about architecture is the creativity. Um, you know, I do storytelling, and and I'm always trying to get inspired to find a new story, or write a new story. Where, where do you find your creativity?
1: Yeah, that's a that's a great question. The, well, certainly the the city or the the uh, neighborhood, I guess that you're in, is the first in the first place. So you you look at the roots of where that community, at least this is the way I approach it. I look at the roots of of a town, of a place, uh, even a neighborhood, and say, you know, like what is, is there is there a specific vibe that happens over here? You know, this, is it leaning this way or that way? Um, are there some older homes on the street? You know, do we want to we want to um, make sure that we're not disrupting that that feel. So, the, a lot of times, that's where it starts—the inspiration for okay, yeah, this is you know, mm-hmm. like here in here in Naples, you know, the roots of Naples are an old it's an old fishing village. So, back in the day when they built homes here, uh, there there were a lot of elements that people that came down from up north uh, brought with them uh, to build a little what they would call fishing you know fishing cottages and um and slowly those became slightly larger kind of estate homes and so we pull a lot of inspiration from that so we look back and, and see okay well, what were they doing then what, what were the type of types of things that were important to them and 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 always nod back to that we're not copying it but we're saying hey here's here's some elements that, that define the roots of the community let's let's use those and uh, as a as a starting point and then uh, you know, take that and and update it to to what's going on today, and maybe put a little bit of a different spin on it, but it still still has that nod back to back to those roots. Hmm. So that's, I that's like one, that. One here. Uh-huh. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. No, I was saying that, that that's one thing, and one one way to approach it and, and, uh, or I guess one starting point And, and another is certainly just, uh, other architecture, you know, whether it's looking at it and in, in publications or visiting new towns and just seeing things and being you know, like, Oh, that's a really neat detail. And that could work in this situation or that situation. And, uh, you know, there's, there's a great, great quote in the, in the Bible from Solomon says, there's, there's nothing new under the sun, you know, like
0: mm. there's a lot of, <laughs>
1: People have, have thought about a lot of cool ideas, so it's it's uh, there's a lot out there to glean from as well, and and uh, you know take little things from here, little things from there, and make something new. But but uh, you didn't come up with it <laughs> on your own.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great! I I love that. One of the ways you start is seeing what's in the community, and and trying to keep a, a feeling of community wherever you are. That's kind of neat. Uh, I never thought about that. of kind of looking around and seeing what's there. Cool. Yeah, uh, yeah that, that's
1: why HOA associations develop, because uh, sometimes people aren't that sensitive to that kind of stuff, and and so they're like, you know, well, we want to take a look at what you're going to build before we just let you build on here so you don't put a pepto Bismo house in, in my neighborhood. <laughs>
0: it doesn't have any of those colors. Things like that, yeah. Well, right. (laughs) You know, I I, I always like to also ask, like creativity is one of the places that you love about the job. What's the hardest thing about architecture, at least for you? What what do you find one of the challenges?
1: Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, sometimes the the team that is assembled um to put the project together
0: <clears throat> if there are
1: certain parties that are, you know, can sometimes be hard to work with. So whether it would be mm. um a builder or an interior designer or sometimes it's the client themselves. <laughs> Just, it depends on <laughs> that. Sometimes that can be kind of a, a, a head scratcher where where you feel that you're uh, you're on the same page, but then you get down further down the you know into the project, and all of a sudden you're like, oh man, like you know we we're, we're not on the same page. Like this this is not what what we had envisioned in the beginning, and which which happens not very often. I would say it's probably been eight percent of all the projects I've worked on in my career that that, that happened. Mm. But when it does happen, it's it's tough um, to try to. To give the client what they want, and at the same time feel good about what you're designing and, and putting your name on, and so that, that that can be tough sometimes, where where clients are pushing you to do something that you don't necessarily like at all. Um, mm. It's hard as an architect to to do that.
0: <laughs> but, mm, but I never thought about that.
1: Give the client what they want, so so uh, Yeah. Huh. Yeah, so that that can be tough, and what else? What are other what are other hard parts about about it? Um, yeah, well, kind of along a similar line, we had we had one one um, client that came to us, and l- language is so so important, and and it it made us realize after this incident that you you really have to define things um, very clearly in the beginning because. Words can be thrown around pretty easily, and certain certainly stylistic words, where someone may mm-hmm. say, "I want a casual beach house," and that would mean something very different from one person to the
0: other. <laughs> okay. Yeah. so
1: yeah, So, so we had, we had an incident where someone a client showed us, you know, they they brought a bunch of pictures. And, They were showing us those uh, images that were saying, okay, you know, here's some inspiration and and here's, you know, we want this casual beach house. So what they didn't tell us was the images that they showed us in the beginning. They were just pointing to very specific parts of the image. So it was a, uh, you know, a certain style of house, but what they were really referring to was they liked the railing. They didn't really like the house. They liked the railing. (laughs) (laughs) But they didn't tell us that. So... So our first round was, you know, something that we thought was going to be a really great. We we thought we nailed it, great right? beach cottage kind of look, and and they thought it was awful, and that uh, we had gone the exact opposite direction of what. So their their image of what was a casual beach cottage was not at all what our image was. So so we uh, we tend to find that a lot clearer now, in the beginning. what do you actually mean by that? <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, that's a great story. I and. And uh, I guess I'd ever thought about how, if you're the sort of the primary care <laughs> in your field, you have to deal with all these personalities and coordinate them and competing, uh, competing, I guess, needs and requirements and so forth. Like you said, if 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 one engineer is talking about surviving a hurricane and the other one wants to make it pretty, you might be competing two different. <laughs>
1: that's right that's right uh, and, and there has to be what, definitely a give and take and a willingness to work together and sometimes people can be a little little stubborn I guess on those, those types of things they're like no this is how you have to do it and we're like well the client's not going to want us to do it that way you can we come up with another idea and we're like oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah wow well, uh,
0: that's really uh of the places that that uh, I find um challenging as well just uh, navigating different personalities and different people and and like you said different uh, ways of communicating to just try to communicate clearly and and uh keep things uh, keep things uh what's the right word <laughs> well for a project moving but but yeah, you know keep people about uh, talking. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, I know, for sure, for sure, it's a big, it's a big part of the, uh, it's a big part of the profession is, is coordination and and clear communication to make sure that everyone's on the same page and not wasting their time going down going down or you know a path that ultimately isn't going to work. Um, and being mm-hmm. able to sometimes foresee that and and and. Stop those things from happening before it gets too, long, too far down the road, where it gets expensive to, to fix things. Um, mm-hmm. the, the, the worst, the worst scenario is, is, you know, it gets all the way through construction documents and permitting, and and then it, uh, they're actually building it, and during the construction, they're like, "Uh oh." <laughs> well. You know what happened over here? Like, you know, or, or the client walks on site and they're like, "I didn't know that wall was there. Or I didn't know this was there." And that, then that gets a little, very expensive to fix.
0: So, mm.
1: so you try to try to make sure that that doesn't happen out there. You need to fix on paper, but not once it's <laughs> oh
0: boy, yeah, it's easy to move walls on paper. That's true. <laughs> yes, yeah,
1: much more difficult in the world.
0: <laughs> oh i i i find it interesting that um in in your bio that I had read you uh took a home you know you were the 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 builder and down to the fine details so you 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 also do carpentry, and so it's kinda like you know all the ins and outs of the little things that are gonna happen down the road too uh even as a designer um I, I always find it interesting to to know all the little black boxes. Like I want to know how everything works, and uh, um, I'm, I'm curious how uh, how that works in architecture too. Like uh, it, it seems like you would want to know how everything. Uh, yeah. I don't know how, how how the electrical goes in, how the cabinets go in. You know, they're all these related fields, but if you don't really know them, then then, then it, it's hard to coordinate them.
1: Absolutely, you know that that's that's so true. And the, the the process, like when when you go to school to become an architect, unfortunately, uh, most programs don't don't encourage you to get involved at that level and to really kind of get your hands dirty and 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 get into the field and and uh, you know see what it's like to build a house and how the things come together. But mo- most of the time, folks coming right out of school are are very very green in that in that uh, you know uh, sense, so that they're they're not familiar with how things actually are built in the field. So they're it's much more theoretically based. So they come up with cool ideas. I can think through like how a plan might go together and um, that sort of thing. But but without the knowledge of here's how it's actually going to happen in the field it makes the process of taking that vision into actually something that you can be, that can be built much more tedious and and drawn out. Mm. While you kind of have that, that base of knowledge in the beginning, you know, even though you're, you're doing broad strokes of your pen in the beginning of the design process, you've always got that in the back of your mind, you know, knowing that this is, the space I need for this, and this is how you know deep this particular beam might need to be because there's this large of a of an opening that I want to put here, and 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 that that does come with experience. One one of the phases of, of architecture is construction administration. So uh, depending again on the scale of the project and and um, the client and, and how it all works out, uh, most of the time an architect is pretty involved as the house. Is being built, they're making sure it's being built, you know, per the plan. So they go out to the site every week or a couple weeks or um, to see kind of how the progress is going. And, and that allows uh, you know, people are, who haven't had that experience going through school to be able to learn so they see it in the field. Like this is what they drew and uh-huh. this is how it's actually getting built. So,
0: so that's uh-huh. a helpful,
1: okay. helpful thing. But having that knowledge base Prior to, is, is I think would be would be great for the architecture profession to sort of have that as part of the curriculum. So
0: put some tool mm. bags
1: on and go out and build a house one summer, and I think it would <laughs> goes a long way.
0: <laughs> oh, I bet, I bet. Uh, you bring up an interesting question about what what the education is like. Uh, it, it, um, I think about medical education that we have time for theoretical knowledge and then we have our clinical knowledge and then we have a residency where we get sort of mentorship on the job training kind of thing uh, before, you know, we get released out into the world. What, what, what kind of process is there in, ac- in uh, architecture and what kind of mentorship t- happens there?
1: Yeah, no, that, that's a great question. It's uh it's, it's a similar process where where education so you in order to become a licensed architect in most states you have to have a graduate degree so um, so you go into undergraduate and that that is a little bit more of the, the theoretical part of it and then graduate is is digging down there's still a lot of theory in that too but digging down into some more nuts and bolts at that level um, and then when you graduate uh, you need to have between it's about four years' worth of hours under a licensed architect in order to be able to sit for your architectural exam. And it's a a pretty long, drawn-out process. It's is six separate tests Um, that you have to take. And each one of them requires, you know, one to two months' worth of studying to to prepare for. And that's after you've kind of gone through about four years under a licensed architect. So hopefully in that period of time, you've gotten introduced to a lot of different, you know, aspects of the profession and have gone out to a lot of job sites and seen how things get built. Um, hmm. so that prepares you, you know, to, so, cause once you take your test and you pass your tasks, then you're in a position where you could become licensed. Uh, you know, you'd still have to go through the process for the, whichever state it is, but you'd have all, all the things you needed at that point. Um, to apply for a license in a state.
0: Mm, okay. That's, I guess, state by state. Wow. Yes, it's
1: There's
0: different a, state by state. Okay. Oh, fascinating. Um, you know, as we come to a close in the time together, I, I'm curious, just, you know, my tagline, people of passion and purpose, doing interesting things, living the present moment. Uh, um, I I think of having passion and purpose, keeping you in the present moment. But I'm I'm curious, what how how you viewed a- architecture over that time, and what keeps you, what keeps you balanced?
1: Right, <laughs> not taking yourself too seriously—that's one thing for sure. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, um, design is very subjective, and so. Uh, the, the passionate part of it is, is you know, um, creating something that's beautiful, but understanding at the same time that, you know, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. So so you have to be flexible and, um, you know, there's a lot of different ideas and sometimes you might not see it right up, up front when somebody uh, suggests something. But it's, I think, uh, what keeps it fresh and alive and uh, and in the present moment is that is really being able to hear other, other ideas and integrate them. And, and then at the end of the day, being able to look back and say, wow, that, that that's, that's cool. This is something different. I haven't, um, haven't done before. I haven't thought of and, hmm. uh, and it's, it's pretty and people enjoy it. They can step step back and, and whether it's a home or, uh, you know, a commercial building and whether it's even, um, like a storefront or a hotel or whatever it may be. One of the great takeaways for me all the time is, is seeing people enjoying the space, you know, knowing that you've created something that, that is bringing, bringing joy and, and happiness
0: to, to those who are using it. Hmm. I love that bringing joy and happiness to those who are using it, creating those spaces. Wow. Well, thank you, Stephen, for enlightening, you know, time about uh, architecture. Uh, I love exploring other fields and finding people who, you know, love what they do to figure out uh, what it's like on the inside. So, thank you for giving us a little sneak peek on what it's like to be inside of an architect's mind.
1: Um, Absolutely, my pleasure.
0: If anyone wants to find you, what's the best way to to contact you?
1: I'll probably um, shoot me an email. Uh, uh, Sjalad, j a l l a d at m h k a p dot com. Let's you can find me.
0: Happy to answer any yeah. questions
1: or um, point people in the right direction.
0: All right. Well, thanks. Uh, thanks again. To uh, so my guest today is Stephen Jalad, uh, and you can find him by email. And I want to thank everyone else who's on the call listening today for people of passion and purpose, doing interesting things, living the present moment. I'm Dr. Joel Ying, and stay tuned for more from LivingThePresentMoment.com. Have a great day, everyone.